Made fresh daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. There's so many trending political stories. I began this program almost three hours ago today talking politics. I'm closing this program today talking more politics. Now, I guessed in this last half hour is John Avalon, CNN senior political analyst. John, good to have you back. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Tavis. Great to be with you as always. Good to hear your voice as always. Let me uh, make the most of these uh, less than 30 minutes that we have and run through a number of trending political topics. Let me start uh, with Mike Johnson, uh, the new Speaker of the House. It's been a, a, a fascinating uh, process in what I call the haunted house. Uh, and it's a, little, it's a little scary for me that this is the guy we end up with, the speaker, a guy who didn't want to certify the results of the last election, say nothing of all the other things that make him a little uh, a little, a little, scary. But it seems to me that there are, there, there, there are any number of challenges that he faces as the new speaker, uh, including whether or not he can unify this conference. He got 220 votes to get elected, but that doesn't mean uh, you can unify the conference. Kevin McCarthy got elected, but he couldn't unify this conference. Um, there's the issue of dealing with Donald Trump. It's one thing to be congratulated by Trump, but at some point you're going to be facing something that's going to make you have to bump heads with Donald Trump, I suspect. Kevin McCarthy found that out. We could talk about the government shutdown uh, that is still pending if, if something isn't done. Uh, and what's done, I don't know, because this guy gets elected because uh, those who support him believe that he won't work with the Democrats. <laughs> so I don't know what to do about that. Mm-hmm. There's Ukraine. And then, of course, there's the ultimate thing of, of, of keeping the House majority in this next election. No shortage of issues on the docket of one Mike Johnson. Um, that's my take. What's your take on this guy who's now the Speaker of the House? My take is, is that he got through unanimously uh, because the, White, the, the, the House conference was exhausted. Right. And this guy was not vetted by the press, the public, or really many of his colleagues. Uh, he's got a reputation for being an affable guy, but that's got nothing to do with the underlying policy. There was conversation up front about the fact that he'd been a leading election denier. He had pushed that amicus brief to the Supreme Court. And when he got asked about that the night he won the nomination, uh, with that before the vote, uh, by, by a reporter from ABC, uh, literally the Republicans laughed and dismissed it and said that's not an issue. Uh, uh, you know, Virginia Fox, Congressman from North Carolina said, shut up. And that to me is chilling because one of the issues was earlier in the day, Tom Emmer had been rejected because he had the temerity to certify the election and he'd supported gay marriage in the past. This guy is not only an election denier, but as far right a speaker as we have ever had in American history. Uh, it, it, you know, put aside American history, modern American history. Sure. Um, th- th- this guy is, uh, we're doing the vetting after the fact, but you shouldn't ignore it. I mean, he gave a, a interview not too long ago in which he said, America is not a democracy. It's a biblical Republic. Mm. Now this isn't about being a man of faith, right? Mm. Nothing, nothing to do with faith. That's to do with whether you believe in church and state separation of church and state. And, and he has said in a, in a podcast with his wife, uh, you know, just a few months ago that he doesn't believe in separation of church and state. Um, you know, th- this guy put aside climate change denial, opposition to Ukraine, full-throated support for Donald Trump overturning the election. The thing that troubles me uh, is that he, he, he wasn't adequately vetted. He is on the far right because Republicans were exhausted. They backed him unanimously. And I think among other things, it means the election lie litmus test is alive and well inside the Republican Party. That's bad for democracy. That's bad for facts. And he is really far right on issues that make him dramatically out of step uh, with libertarian Republicans, let alone center right Republicans, let alone the vast majority of the American people. So watch out. Uh, This guy is a lot more extreme than folks have a clue about today. 
that might be the phrase of the day. Watch out. Um, uh, let me um, let me just tell you, uh, John, as you were talking, I was trying to think of the last time um, that somebody got this high up in the American political process who had not been properly vetted. And I think that person would be Sarah Palin. Uh, when mm-hmm. when John McCain uh, ultimately chose uh, Sarah Palin, he was desperate. Uh, Obama was leading him in all the polls. He had to do something different. And he did something different. He picked a woman to be his, his running mate. Not the first person to be, not the first woman to be picked to do that. Of course, Jordan Ferraro uh, in it, uh, prior to her. Um, but it was clear the deeper we got into this, the deeper John McCain got into it, that she had not been properly vetted, and we know what happened. Um, my, my question is, um, you say watch out, but how, how much how, how much uh, worse can things get? Uh, how ugly is this going to get when we start to learn more about this guy or he starts to behave in ways that indicate that he was not properly vetted even by his own caucus? Well, it, it'll, the question will come down to whether the center has a spine. The center has been rolled time and time again. Um, they got rolled on, on this guy. I mean, Matt Gates, uh, by the least popular person in Congress, won. Uh, he took a victory lap. He said, we have, you know, Trump is naming the guy MAGA, MAGA Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy is as far right as you can possibly get on any number of issues. And I want to be clear. It, this isn't about, you know, certainly about not about him being a person of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that that's. That's got nothing to do with this. It's about bringing your faith into your politics in a literal way that doesn't try to form form a, a big tent. Again, you know, saying that America is not a democracy, it's a biblical republic. Mm. And that trend towards anti-majoritarian democracy that we're seeing in some folks in the far right. Theoretically, the center could get a spine and stand up to him, and the margin's been tough to corral. Uh, but we'll see if they actually do that. What, you know, does this, does, do you, he's off, he's opposed Ukraine funding for a while, for example. Biden administration said, look, balanced plan. Let's, let's combine funding for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. Something for everybody. Let's deal with it. Like the world's on fire. Let, let's, let, let's try to push this forward. Mm-hmm. If that gets separated out, uh, Ukraine could be left in the lurch, and that's going to cause bigger problems down the road for freedom and democracy. As I said earlier, uh, so, I'm sorry, John, yeah. go ahead and finish. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut, I mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Listen, only that if, if the center starts standing up for what they believe, they can have some leverage. If they keep getting rolled, as they always do, what's left of the center right mm-hmm. and not much. I mean, I think a lot of these folks should have buyers remorse. Remember, there are 18 Republicans who represent districts Joe Biden won. The fact they all back this guy should have real political implications if he leads with his politics and ideology, which there's no reason to think he won't. So we narrowly escaped a government shutdown just weeks ago, as you well know. And, mm-hmm. and again, I come back to this point. If this guy is elected and Matt Gates is taking a victory lap uh, and the expectation is that he will not work, will not work with Democrats, how do we avoid a government shutdown just weeks from now? So he has said he wants to pass continuing resolutions. you got a d- Democratic Senate, of course. Um, but let's see, because, you know, there's been very little willingness uh, to work across the aisle. Remember, the obvious way to solve this problem, and Hakeem Jeffries put this forward, you know, stop letting a bunch of folks on the far right hold everybody hostage, open it up, put someone who could be very conservative, but who's at least trusted, there's mutual respect, mm-hmm. and you could have some Democrats vote for him, and then the center would have hold. That would have been a great thing for the country, and it would have meant that, you know, the government's not going to shut down. We're going to stop playing these sort of foolish, self-defeating politics. Um, the, but, but Republicans said, no, the single most important thing is that we will not 
work with Democrats, that compromise is collaboration. And that's a fundamental misunderstanding of how our democracy is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. So watch this space, but there's no reason to think that we're going to escape through this. I hope we do. I believe I would love to be, I'd love to believe, I'd love to see this guy be more pragmatic and more focused on uniting people than dividing. There's just very little in his own personal political record to suggest that's within his vocabulary. Let me ask you right quick and we'll move forward. Um, What does his election say about the power of the radical right inside the GOP? It says that it is undiminished. It's stronger than ever. We've never had someone this far right take a speakership in modern America. And again, this idea that election, buying into the election lie, Trump's election lies, and by the way, after three of his lawyers have admitted they were lies in court, oh, under yeah. oath, taking oh, yeah. plea deals, mm-hmm. that, that, that politically the House Republicans have decided that to be a leader of their party means you need to back that lie. That says everything you need to know, because that's hostility to facts as well as mature authoritarian democracy. And you can't, you, you know, there's no compromising with lies. Yeah. Democracy works when we have facts and we find a way to reason together across all our interesting differences. And I and, and that that shouldn't be, you know, liberals, and you know, conservatives could find some common ground if you agree on common facts. You have hostility to common facts. We're in real fundamental trouble. And that's what Republicans have signed on to. And it looks like why they're drifting towards renominating a guy who tried to overthrow our democracy. That's Mike Johnson, your new speaker of the House. Uh, when we come forward, we'll talk about Clarence Thomas. You're listening to John Avalon on Tavis Smile. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and John Avalon, CNN senior political analyst. Um, so the far right, uh, John, um, has its man uh, in the speaker's seat in the House. And speaking of the far right, uh, Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas. Um, the justice's uh, RV loan was forgiven, uh, we are told by a Senate inquiry. Um, this story about Clarence Thomas just keeps getting worse and worse by the day. Uh, the more we learn uh, about his shenanigans and these trips and these gifts, et cetera, et cetera. Now we learn, I mean, and, and his, his mother's house uh, being paid for and his, his nephew's college or, or, or school schooling being paid for. Now we learn that he got this loan from a wealthy friend to buy an RV, uh, RV motorhome, and the loan was essentially forgiven before he paid much or anything of it. Uh, it raises all kinds of questions about ethics and about tax implications, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, your thoughts on this uh, on this kind of Thomas story that just keeps again growing like a fungus? Well, look, my my thoughts in general are the, the cornerstone of American law is this idea, sometimes elusive, of equal justice under law. And uh, you know, I was struck that uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett was very conservative, uh, came out and said there should be some some ethics standards uh, which do not apply apply to federal judges except on the Supreme Court. Um, and, uh, you know, you can't apply those retrospectively, but I think they should be put in place to answer folks' concerns. And, and, uh, now, I, you know, I haven't seen any suggestion that any of this impacted his decisions. Uh, he's a very conservative guy. And I think a lot of dislike of Clarence Thomas on some folks' part, uh, is simply about his, his beliefs, you know, his conservative beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as they're honestly held and not improperly influenced, that is, you know, what it is. I, I, I uh, you know, I, I appreciate honest disagreements as long as they're substantive and people aren't rewriting history to justify their own opinions, slam them through, uh, which is something we have seen in a lot of recent decisions. Uh, you know, uh, the one other thing just jumps to mind, like 
Yale Law School, where he went, refuses to put his portrait up in the hall. That's inappropriate, right? He's a Supreme Court justice. He's a graduate of the institution. You disagree with him or not, he deserves that. But equal justice under law means, you know, full disclosure, means treating people the same with regard to gifts and the implications. And 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 it seems to me, and apparently Amy Coney Barrett agrees, that there should be ethics, uh, you know, standards put in place even for Supreme Court justices going forward to avoid this kind of thing. Since we're talking about Clarence Thomas, let me quote from the Bible. I don't want to proselytize, but um, the Bible hmm. says the Bible says we should shun the very appearance of evil. Um, so if if you just want to stay, just 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 shun the appearance of it. Amy Coney Barrett is right in this regard that there ought to, in fact, be a code of ethics. The question is how long can John Roberts resist that because he is steadfastly. Re- resisted this code of ethics. Yeah, and, and it's it's odd for for Roberts to do that. You know, there's one sign that says I mean, he's effectively in the center of the court now, which shows how much the politics have shifted. And and look, I mean, the hypocrisy around blocking Obama's appointment for Scalia's replacement and then rushing through her—that's something that should not be forgotten or just taken in stride. Um, especially when it led to the uh, overturning of Roe on the first opportunity, which, you know, at least three of those justices said would never do when they were asked in the Senate. Uh, I bring that up because, you know, elections have consequences. Um, I don't know why, you know, you could be an institutionalist, but this seems to be a sensible change if it's about restoring faith. Uh, Maybe he's concerned it'll lead to a, uh, you know, a, a, a purging where it blurs the separation of powers. I can understand those arguments up to a point. But the larger issue for the court is trust in the court has been degraded by actions like overturning Roe yeah. in the Dobbs decision. This seems like a way to restore it. If he wants to do anything to restore integrity to the court, he better get serious sooner than later about a code of ethics. I digress on that when we come forward in our remaining moments with John Avalon. The UAW and Ford reach a tentative contract agreement. We'll talk about that on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Sounds different, huh? This, this, this time is smiling. Got just three minutes left here with uh, CNN's uh, senior political analyst John Avalon talking about some trending political topics. And uh, on that list, UAW and Ford uh, have reached a tentative contract agreement after uh, six weeks of uh, this growing mm-hmm. wave of walkouts against the three Detroit automakers. So two more to go, John, but at least they got a deal uh, with Ford. The deal includes a roughly 25 percent pay increase over four years, cost of living wage adjustments, major gains on pensions and job security and the right to strike over plant closures. Uh, and so the union has called on uh, those Ford employees to go back to work. This is a big deal. The question is whether or not it sets mm-hmm. a standard for other workers uh, throughout the economy in this season of strikes. John Avalon. Well, you got to think it does, right? I mean, 25% raise is a real deal impact. A lot of the provisions you just mentioned, uh, that, that becomes a new standard. And, and the pendulum seems to be, be shifting back. And, and there's a lot in the economy that's going very well right now. I think one of the things that's peculiar is that it's, not sh- it's shown up in people's spending, but not their sentiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inflation's been a real bear. It's going down. But Main Street has gotten has done done pretty well in recent years. Middle class is starting to come back. This is a sign of that. What, what's your take on that? Uh, I think you're right about that. Um, my, my question is, and I, I don't know the answer to this. And if I'm Joe Biden, I'm scratching my head. Uh, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm a Democratic operative, I'm scratching my head. I'm scratching my head because you made a powerful point that the numbers are. I just saw numbers this morning. Job num- job numbers are up. Uh, Biden has done a, a pretty respectable, decent job of stewarding mm-hmm. the economy, but it's not showing it's not showing up in people's sentiments. And the data that I keep reading about this uh, 
presumptive race between uh, this sequel between Biden and Trump, these numbers don't look good for Joe Biden. So the brother can't catch a break, as it, it seems to me. How do you read that? Well, I, I, that, that's that's one of the things you, you got to do more to shrug about it. There's some folks who are going to be partisan about the economy as long as their teams in, in time. But you got to look at, at the data. Right. If you got historically if you got historically low unemployment and, 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 and middle class wages are growing and manufacturing starting to come back and job growth has been strong. How does that uh, outside the fact that the partisan echo chamber tends to dilute that? Why is it not being felt on the streets? That's a political problem yep. uh, for, for Biden. No question. Uh, but also, I think it's a, it's a messaging problem. I think the right wing tends to be very disciplined in messaging uh, in, in their own kind of ecosystem. Uh, you got to hope that reality impacts the people. You know, we, we've had we've had a, 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 the middle class gotten squeezed for decades, starting to come back. Don't take that for granted. Yep. It doesn't happen at all. Somebody said the other day, I, I read so many things. I know it was a Times columnist. I can't recall which one it was, uh, but a brilliant analysis. He said that Joe Biden's problem is not that he is old. There are a lot of older Americans who move very smoothly and very mm-hmm. swiftly and, and do things, do great things every day. It's not that he is old. It's that he looks old and he moves old mm-hmm. and he appears to be weak and he appears to be frail. Not that he is, but that he looks that way. And people are concerned that Kamala Harris ain't really the answer to the prayer if anything happens to him. And so my my, 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 my fear is that no matter how well he's stewarding, uh, stewarding and shepherding the economy, as long as folk think that the way he looks and the way he moves is scary to them uh, to reelect him. I think we got a problem. I digress on that for now. John Avalon, thanks for your input. We'll do it again down the road, my friend. All the best to you. Anytime, my friend. Thank you. Stay Be strong, well. brother. That's our show. Back tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's Friday. The best of Tabby Smiley tomorrow. Until then, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith.